believe it's going to be our text for this jump in. We're going to jump in this session. Proverbs 22, 6. Thank you, everybody, for being here. I know we have some folks who haven't been in this class or our Sunday school. I hate calling it class like I'm some kind of teacher. But um, this Sunday school get-together um, that we're having here. So I welcome you guys. Um, we are going to be continuing from last week. So you may need to know someone from last week. We're talking about putting together a fragmented family. And I will let you know that this is the last lesson on fragmented families. I'm trying to decide um, the book, uh, Hook, Line, and Sinker, is divided into three parts. And so there's the fragmented family, then there's rebellion, and there's another part. So I'm deciding whether we start the next one next week or do we wait till see what happens on our next time we try to do Hook, Line, and Sinker. So we're, we'll be praying about that this week. But this is the last one from, of a fragmented family. So let's go ahead and open up in prayer because I definitely need the Lord's help to be able to get anything accomplished this morning. So let's open up in prayer and then we'll jump in. Lord, we love you. God, we need your help this morning. God, I know that, God, for many of us, Lord, we're tired. Lord, we have a lot, thing, a lot of things going on, a lot of things going through our minds. But, Lord, for just a few minutes, Lord, I ask you to help us to be able to focus in and zone in on what you'd have for our families. God, we do thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we have to get together this morning around your word and its principles. So, Lord, would you work in hearts, God, would your Holy Spirit do what I could never do. And, Lord, that is pretty much everything. So, Lord, we love you. We give the honor for everything that's done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to putting a fragmented family together again. Part two, Proverbs 22, 6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this is last week's, just so we know. I'm not going to go into them all, just so we have it for review. Number one was seek God's direction through prayer and Bible study. How do you put a fragmented family back together again? You find out what God wants you to do by prayer and studying the word of God. Number two, make tough choices about good things. Talk about some things that are not wrong, but would trade the good for the best sometimes. Number three, make a week-by-week assessment of your family time. Now, I won't ask for anybody who to ask somebody who raised their hand who actually sat down with their family and made a week-by-week assessment of their time because I really don't want to be discouraged. So I'm going to say, but I still would love, I still put the challenge out there that if you take the time and schedule on your schedule time for your family. Because like we said last week, if it doesn't get scheduled, most likely most of the time it doesn't get done. So number three was make a week-by-week assessment of your family time. Number four, be willing to schedule extended family time with a struggling member of your family. We talked about last week that that doesn't mean that you have to go take your struggling member of your family off somewhere and nail them to the wall, put them under a light bulb that's flashing and ask them what their problem is. It's mainly just get it away, spend some time with the struggling members of the family. Number five, don't expect an overnight miracle. We talked about this, dads, especially for us, because we, we see the need and then we t- go to tackle it. Just because we decided to tackle this thing for two weeks and our kid is not where we wanted to be or our teenager is not where he wanted to be, we can't expect an overnight miracle for years and years and years of compounded things that we necessarily didn't do right, so we can't expect an overnight miracle. And number six, look for teaching moments. Look for opportunities to teach your children what you need to know. So number seven, how to put a family Fragmented family back together. Number seven, connect with the heart. Connect with the heart. We talked about it a little bit last week. A, letter A, many activities do not create heart connection. Many activities do not create heart connections. I don't know what's going on, but you, you guys just fix it, okay? All right. Many, many activities do not create a heart connection. There's a lot of things that we do as families that we enjoy doing together. 
but in all, I mean, just obviously, does not help us put a fragmented family together. Now, I remember growing up, my, um, me and my mom and my brothers, we enjoy basketball. And so we would sit down and watch a Bulls game or whatever, and we'd all sit around and watch it. Now, as much as it was fun for us all to sit in the room and yell and cheer on Michael Jordan to go, it was not helping us connect the hearts, essentially. I mean, I can say I remember the time I spent with my mom, but I was, my mom was not connecting with my heart then. But there are lots of activities I do remember as a family that my mom would go out and do something or that she and brought us into something she was doing that connects with the heart. So in order to put a fragment of family back together, we have to connect with the heart, and we're going to have to find activities that do. A lot of times what Kerry Schmidt talks about in his book, he says that we, we, instead of going outside and doing something together as a family, we'll all hop in the car and go walk through the mall. Because, and he says, all that does is make us want more. I'll think about all the things that we don't have instead of connecting to the heart and going out and just spending time together. And I know sometimes we think that connecting with the heart means that we have to do this huge, grandiose thing. But yesterday, while we were gone, my father-in-law took Shylan out to uh, help him rake leaves. And I remember when we came home, Shylan was so excited for us to see the pictures of her and Papa raking leaves. And I mean, that's all she talked about was how they went out and raked leaves and she got to put them in a pile and jump in them and she got to move that pile over and then jump in them some more. And she had all these pictures and we were looking at the pictures. She was ex- trying to explain what was going on in those pictures and what was happening. And you know what? It wasn't like my father-in-law hopped in the car, drove her three hours to Cedar Point and they went on all these things. It was just, they went outside and played in the leaves and that's all my daughter could talk about last night was how fun it was to play in the leaves. When we went to pray at night, she prayed and she's like, Lord, Thank you for the leaves falling so that I could play in them. And that meant something to her because it was just a few minutes. And a lot of times what we think of is connecting with the heart is it has to be this grandiose thing. But really as, our, as a family, we just have to come together. Most of the time just spending time together as a family would be a grandiose thing. But to put hearts together, find activities that actually connect with the heart. B, create family settings that connect to hearts. B, create family settings that connect hearts. I will say that there, I know that there's been a, a big push on in media and everything for the family dinner table. Like you, you see the commercials, do the family, eat, everybody eat dinner as a family. But I know that, and on my family, I remember that was one of the things that we did not do probably until I was older. That, because my dad, when he came home, he went into his room, or he either went to go do some more work, and then my mom would cook dinner, me and, the, me and my brothers would sit down and eat. And then the rest of us, we go, and by, by the time mom was eating, we were in there playing video games or something, and mom was sitting at the table eating her by herself. I am glad, and I am glad this is all my wife. My wife has made, has been her thing that we are all going to be at the dinner table with no distractions. And I praise the Lord for that, because there are a lot of times where I think I've got a, quite a lot to do, so I'm just going to sit here and eat. We're all going to sit at the table, but I'm going to sit here and do this while we all sit here and eat. And my wife, and she is good about it. Saying, hey, 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 put the computer away. Hey, drop the phone. Do this. And sometimes, I mean, it's just I in my mind honestly think, well, if I can just get this done real quick, I can have this done while we're eating, while we're still doing it. My wife says no. Why? Because in her mind, which is right, that I know she's going to take that one for a long ways. But in her mind, this is what is right is that we as a family need to connect hearts. What'd you say? Yeah, it is recorded. So yeah, you can put it as a ringtone or something. But, <laughs> but we need to create family settings that connect hearts. So let her see. Work through the awkwardness of reconnecting. 
We talked about this kind of last week when we talked about how nothing's going to, we can't expect an overnight miracle. We have to go ahead and expect that at times, if we have not spent time with the family for all the years our young people are growing up, and now they're teenagers, and now all of a sudden I say, well, I know that you had planned to do this with your friends, but you know what? Tonight we're going out in the yard and playing in the leaves. I know that that's probably going to be, uh, I know it's, number one, it's dumb. But the second thing is, I know, I mean, you can expect that it's going to be awkward. Hey, we've never sat down and ate dinner before as a family, and now tonight I want you to put everything down, come down from your room, put down black ops stew, and come down, sit down, and we're going to, we're going to try and have a dinner together. It's going to be awkward, but you have to work through those things, work through the awkwardness of reconnecting. Number eight, pray with them and for them. Pray with them and for them. A, prayer speaks to the heart. Prayer speaks to the heart. I know we've, you can almost say we've beat this and beat this and beat this, but I'm going to beat it one more time. We've got to pray with our children. And we've got to pray for our children. A lot of times, just like we said many times before, just like we said over and over again, what happens is we talk about how much we pray for our children. Well, I'm praying for you, and we're not actually praying for them. We have to pray for and we have to pray with our children. Shylan is four years old, and I know that Shylan is not saved. But I still pray with her, and I still have her pray and go through the motions of praying. And I learn more as a father sometimes for what's really on Shylan's heart by just listening to her tell God. Yesterday, um, one of the things, she's been getting in trouble for a certain issue over and over and over and over again. So when we went to pray, I was like, Sean, you've got to go ahead and uh, go and tell the Lord that you need help. And I listened to my four-year-old daughter start to cry and ask God to help her to get through a certain issue. Because she said, Dad, I don't want I mean, Lord, I don't want another spanking for doing this. And she started to cry. And I really started to see, I see her heart. Because, see, prayer connects the hearts. Prayer speaks to the hearts. I told my wife, there's one thing that I'd love to do with another guy if I'm getting to know another guy. The one thing that I want to do with that guy is pray with them. Because I feel like there's a lot of things people tell you. When they talk to you, people will tell you about all the great things they do. But you listen to them pray. And I'm not saying that your prayers have to be filled with all the spiritual things. But you listen how they talk to God. Because with me and, me and us, you can tell me all kinds of stuff you do in the week. I don't know. But when you have to go before God Almighty who knows it all, and we have to find out how you actually pray... And I'm not talking about just standing in the hallway. I'm talking about getting on our knees and pray. You can tell a lot about a person and how much they pray. Same thing happens with our children. Parents, if we get down and pray and we show our kids our dependence upon God, they'll start to understand, well, you know what? They don't know everything. But they're really trying to find out what God wants to do in our lives. Why are we making this decision? I don't really want this to happen in my life. But when you spend time in prayer... You'll have a young person that'll sit there and say, well, you know what? This isn't the way I want it, but I I do understand that my mom and dad, they are at least trying to do what God wants to do. Now, they may not be on board with it, but they still know it hits the heart because, hey, they're trying to get in touch with God about this. This isn't something my dad just randomly threw out there. This isn't something my mom just throws on me all the time. This is something, something they really care about. B, prayer shows our humility. Prayer shows our humility. Once again, we can find a lot about ourselves, about how much we pray, 
and how we pray about our humility. I don't think there is a teenager that would struggle with, let's say, overconfidence. We can call it pride. With pride that has a vibrant prayer life. Because when you know, when you know where all your help comes from, like Psalm says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. All of a sudden it takes me down from, oh, I'm an athlete. Oh, I'm this. Till I am just someone who wakes up in the morning and needs God's help to breathe every single morning. And God, would you please help me? God, would you please work in my life? See, prayer shows my humility. See, of, instead of a dad being a, I'm, I'm doing well in my business or my company's doing well and my job's doing well, it takes me to, God, I thank you for the job you gave me. God, would you help me to do the best in this day? From a mom that thinks, you know what, I've got it all together, whether in the job or at home, and I've got those things, it takes me down from that and saying, God, it's only by your grace I have what I have. So, God, would you please help me? See, putting a fragmented family back together comes with everybody. Mom, dad, teenagers coming in humility. God, we all need your help. God, the only way this family is going to survive the devil's attack is with your help. And God, we're binding together to ask you for that help. So let her be prayer shows some humility. Let her see prayer fights the battle spiritually. Prayer fights the battle spiritually. In the book, hook, line and singer, Carrie Schmidt tells a story of a, a father that he said he met with. And like I told you last week, he told the father to go home and pray with his son. And his son was having some problems. So he said, go in the room. And he said, I just want you to pray out loud with your son, whether he wants you to or not. And he talked about how that father went into his son's room that night, who had not previously done this before. But got down by the bed, he asked his son to pray with him. His son said, no, I'm not going to pray with you. And the father just knelt down by the side of the bed and started to pray. And he just started to pray for real. Not, not, not praying, preaching at his son. God, would you please help my son to understand that I'm right and he's wrong. But it start, he prayed that, God, would you help me as a dad? God, I failed so many times. And just in humility, he started praying. And he said he got up, patted his son, and walked out of the room. Carrie Schmidt said 15 minutes later, that young man ran down the stairs crying, still a little angry, but just saying, Dad, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. This is what's going on. See, prayer connects to the heart. And what we have to learn is, and though I know we know it because it's textbook, it's on paper, but God and the Holy Spirit can do more in our children's lives than we ever can. And see, I can do a lot of things and say a lot of things as a parent, but if I can get God involved and the Holy Spirit work in that heart where I can't because see I have to go to bed at some point but see the Holy Spirit can work in a child's life where they're laying in bed and saying hey what you're doing in your life isn't right hey pastor I can't sleep because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing we got to get prayer involved see prayer fights the battle spiritually number nine here's the big one show frequent appropriate affection show frequent appropriate affection A, physical affection strengthens heart connection. Physical affection strengthens heart connection. I don't know, like, what kind of families everybody comes from. I would say my, I don't say my family is overly 
huggy. They're not really overly withdrawn. We're just in the middle somewhere. But I know coming here from um, the church we are from in Florida, coming to Trinity, I was like, wow, everybody hugs everybody here. Like, as soon as I walk in, it's like, Miss Lunny, give you a bear hug. And I'm like, everybody just keeps hugging everybody, and everybody just, like, but you know, when I walked in the door, I knew, hey, these people care about me. <laughs> like they, they really do. There's a church that me and my wife go to whenever we're in Virginia, around Williamsburg. It's a small little church. But we'll drive 45 minutes out of the church, to, out to that church, because the first time we went, I, I have friends that went there, and the first time we went, the ladies in that church all, like, mobbed my wife, giving her hugs. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. And it was a black church, and she's the only white person in the whole church. And you know what? They were all mobbed around and giving her hugs. And when my wife left, she never said, even though, I mean, we're probably used to it now, but she never said, wow, that was, those, they were so friendly because I was white. They were so friendly because of the, all she walked away was, wow, that church they loved us. Like, they cared about us. They never met us before in our lives. We're from a whole different state. It's not like we even have potential to come to their church. They just loved us. And when we look at our children's lives, we know that physical, appropriate physical connection lets you know, hey, everything's okay. Like, there are times, even as a husband, and uh, the rest of you dads and husbands may be able to say, that you know that there's something that you can say, and just by putting your hand on your wife's shoulder or touching her, not in any kind of inappropriate way, just touching her, she knows exactly what you're saying. Like, there's times where we can be riding down the road, not said a word, and I'll put my hand on my wife's seat, and I'll rub her neck for a second, and she'll say, I love you too. I never, ever said I love you. But the connection she made in her mind was, hey, I know my husband loves me. The same thing happens with the connection in the family. That physical affection strengthens heart connection. B, show affection whether it comes naturally or not. Show affection whether it comes naturally or not. And here's the, well, we didn't grow up that way. As a dad, I don't go hugging my boys. They're boys. I don't go hugging them. Well, I didn't grow up that way. My dad never did that. Hey, whether we grew up that way, whatever the situation, we have to change it. You can't keep going on and what your parents did or what they didn't do and say, you know what, well, this is how I'm going to do it. Why don't we go biblically and say, you know what, from biblical principles, I know that I ought to show love and affection to my child. Um, I'm sorry that I tell stories about my family because this is all I know. So to give you an illustration, this is all I know. If I grew up in other families, maybe I could tell you something different, but this is all I know. I remember um, one time Shiloh got in trouble. And, well, well, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I'll go to letter C before I get ahead of myself. Letter C. Affection after discipline is vital to a healthy relationship. Affection after discipline is vital to a healthy relationship. I'll say this first. We used to have friends in Florida that whenever they spanked their children, and yes, I know this is recorded, and I said spank your children on something that's recorded. But they said, they said any time they spanked their children, they let them go and sit, and they would not hug them or anything after they were done. Because they said, you know what, this is punishment, so I am not going to give them a hug afterwards. And I just thought to myself, what? <laughs> like, like, is that the way God treats us? It's like, God, like, oh, well, I forgive you, but go sit away from me and don't talk to me for a little while. I'm like, what in the world? Like, how, how can you do that? But sometimes we don't understand that affection after discipline is vital to a healthy, to a healthy relationship. The story I was going to tell you before, Shine got in trouble. I had to discipline her through the method of spanking. And so I, I, after we were done, 
I always give her a hug and a kiss. And I told her, and we talked for a second. And I remember as we were walking back up the hall, John said this, Mom always hugs me longer than you do. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man. Like, <laughs> like, you're right, dear. And so now, I mean, I'll hug her until she, she's, like, trying to get down. No, I'm not letting you go. Mom's not beating me in the hugging department. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we have to show affection after discipline. Because even, even as, especially when it gets to the teenage years, the, the mentality is you jump all over your teenager. Man, how in the world could you do it? How, why in the world are you doing this? And it's kind of like just walk away. You never touch your cell phone again. You'll never get on Facebook again. You'll never do this thing ever again. And you walk away. And it's like, if God did that to us, like, and God treated us like that when he disciplined or chasing us in our lives, what would that be like? Like, it's like, oh, I know, Aaron, you fell in the sin today, but you come talk to me next week. I'll see your, I'll hear Ellison to your first prayer in a little while. We have to show affection, especially in the discipline area. Because if I discipline Shylin, and then I never let her know that that relationship was restored, all I'm doing is, yes, I've corrected a problem, but now all I've done is push her away. Um, you know what, <laughs> Shylin, if you keep doing that, so in her mind she thinks, when I do this, Dad is done. He's not having anything to do with me right now. And that's not what I want her to think. I want her to know every time I discipline her, it's because I love her. And I don't want her to make wrong decisions. And so I want to instruct her in the way, train up a child in the way she should go. I want her to go in the right way. So afterwards, I'm going to give her a hug. Last night, she got spanking. Both of us were crying. Let her just both sitting down there crying. I'm like, child, I don't want to do this any more than you want to get one. And I, and I know the old saying, it hurts me more than it hurts you. I know. But it, it really did. Like, I was like, Lord, we've been dealing with this so many times. And so we prayed together. And we were both crying. But I want her to know I love her. That's the only reason I'm doing this. And when we discipline without reconnection, our thing is, you made a mistake, partner. And when you get yourself right, when you get your life straight and you stop making these mistakes, mean you'll be good again. And that's not what God in, in, intended for us. And that is not what God intended for the family. So show freaking appropriate affection. Number 10, don't stop serving God. Don't stop serving God. A, family time is not an excuse not to serve God. Family time is not an excuse to serve God. It is funny that usually with any any struggle, any problem in our lives, the first thing to go is the things that help us be godly. (laughs) Like the first thing to go is, you know what? We're having family problems right now. We're not going to church Wednesday night. We're having family problems. We're not going to church Sunday night. We're having family problems. We're not going to go whatever ministry we're involved in. I hey, if you're involved in ministry and your family has a problem, I'm saying quit the ministry, help your family. I am saying that. But I'm just saying most of the time what happens in our lives is not out of anything trying to fix anything. We're just like, oh, well, well we can't go to church tonight because we're having family problems. Hey, don't stop serving God because you think that there's a, a pl- something out of sorts. And that's the time to kind of jump in and say, you know what? We've got to be in church tonight because our family needs what's going to be preached from the word of God. We've got to be where we ought to be as a family. And so, hey, family time is not an excuse to not serve God. B, be willing to quit personal pursuits first. Be willing to quit personal pursuits first. 
just like I said, the first thing that happens usually when we have family struggles is time to spend family time together. We don't miss the Saturday ball games, but we'll miss the Sunday church. We got to be willing to put my pursuits aside. I won't miss going on the trip that I have planned, but I'll spend time on Wednesday night because that's when we have time. Man, we got to put aside our personal things. Hey, Dad, one day we will have to stand before God for our family and give an account. And I know me to have to stand in front of God Almighty and to say, I'm going to say this because I don't play golf, to say, I played golf. When my family had problems, but I held them at a church. Can you imagine how that's going to go? Well, God, you see, I was so busy that I didn't have time. Oh, I see on your schedule that you had all these other things. <laughs> you had time to watch four hours of TV. You had time to do this and this and this. But we didn't have time for our families. Hey, we got to put our personal pursuits aside. Teenager, same thing. If your family is having problems, your mom and dad has problems, number one, it is not your fault. But number two, you've got to make it priority. Hey, I want to spend time with my family. I, I want to make sure things happen. Hey, I'm going to jump right in here with my parents and make this a priority. Be willing to quit personal pursuits. That means I'm going to say everything, as we talked about it two weeks ago, I think. If you're the teenager can say, you know what, if I never pick up another soccer ball, if I never pick up another basketball, if I never play another instrument and it helps my family out, then I'll put it all down. But you don't understand, Pastor Burton, these are all good things. Yeah, they may be. But what we're trying to do for our families that are under attack is say, I'm willing to drop what is good to be able to get what's the best. And that's a strong family because right now, they're few and far between. So, B, be willing to quit personal pursuits. C, make family your first ministry. Make family your first ministry. Number 11, serve God together. I didn't skip over the last one. We're going to talk about it more because it goes right into this. Serve God together. A, teach your children to love God by serving him together. Serve God together. Make it a family thing. Now, this is something, I mean, I have parts and, I mean, there's a couple little things we've done as a family. But this is sometimes, even as a college kid, I missed so much. I remember hearing, like, of kids that were like pastors, kids, and they were talking about going soul with their dad. Or they were talking about how every Saturday they would go and they worked a bus route with their dad or something like that. And I remember my friends in college who, and their dads were pastors, and I remember saying, Man, God, I wish my dad had been a pastor. Man, I wish that I could have been growing up in the, doing the elements of ministry that these guys did. You know what? I didn't have that, to be perfectly honest. My mom was a godly lady. My mom passed out tracks. My mom went on ladies' visitation. But we never went out as a family or anything like that to go out and tell other people about Jesus Christ or serve together in a lot of things. When I worked on the bus route, my youth director came and picked me up and brought me to the, to the thing, and uh, I went with him. But I remember as a college student thinking, man, I wish I'd had that growing up. Hey, we have the opportunity. And now I have the opportunity with my son and my daughter that I can make sure that we serve God together. 
that it is a, a family ministry that we get to serve. That, like I said before at the beginning, I want it to be the person that Tavian learns to pass out tracts from. I want it to be for me. I want my son to be able to go and experience serving God with me. It's a family thing. And what happens is, and, and youth group has done this too, has been a, a, a part of this, is what we have is we expect, or maybe Christian school, is we expect that, well, there's so many other outlets for ministry for my young people, for my children, then I'm just going to let them take part in that. And we can't do that. Because we have to serve God as a family. Now, I am not putting anybody up higher than anybody else because I don't know what anybody else is. But the illustration of my mind comes to the Barnes family. I don't think other than Josh, none of them are here. So I'm not trying to tune anybody's horn, lift anybody up. But I know that on Saturdays, most every Saturday, Pastor Barnes and his whole family will be here to try and go knock on doors. Pastor Barnes will usually have Josh or send him with somebody. And um, his wife will take Jamie or Alyssa. And they'll go from door to door and tell people about Jesus. Now, whether you agree with door to door or whether you agree with whatever, I say it says something a lot about a family when they have come to do a ministry together. Now, I know there's lots of other people in our church that do ministry and family together. So don't get me there and say I'm saying they're the only ones. But I'm saying it's something to be said, and it's a great testimony when a whole family goes out and they serve God together. And some of us in here, you may not have a mom and dad that serve. I would say if you can find a good man, a good lady, if you're a girl, to serve alongside of. Because you say, you know what, my mom and dad don't do that. Then praise the Lord. Don't go and have a pity party over it. Find somebody who will and go with them. But I'm saying what we have to do, though, as a family is learn to serve God together. B, allow church and ministry commitments to bring you together. Because here's what happens. When a family doesn't usually serve together they get pulled apart because see now ministry turns into the same thing as soccer and everything else. Well, I've got to have them to teen soul winning over here and I've got to have them over to teen this over here. And I have men's this over here and I have women's this over here. And so now instead of what the ministry is supposed to do is bring our family together. Now it's just turned into another thing that we have to do on the calendar. Oh man, I got to get my kids over here so I can be here by seven o'clock so I can be at this lady's thing over here. We can't let the ministry, that which was put there to build us up, tear apart our family. And so we, have to, we can't allow church and ministry commitments to tear us apart. But, on, but other than that, we bring them to, allow them to bring together. Number 12. This is, this is the key. Recognize that only you hold the power of choice for your family. Recognize that only you hold the power of choice for your family. Letter A. Don't shift blame for your bad decisions. Don't shift blame for your bad decisions. Here it is. And I know I've got to hurry. As a dad. It will not work at all. For one day when I have to give account for my family. To tell God all the bad decisions my wife made. But if you ever sit down with a couple that's having problems, and if you've ever had problems as a couple, you know, the first thing we do is, well, if you had of, 
Well, if I if you hadn't have done this or if you had have done this, this wouldn't be the problem. Same thing with any member of the family, the teenager. Well, you know, if my mom and dad would, if my dad had not of. You are responsible for your decisions. And it doesn't matter if you've made a bad decision. Be man enough, be woman enough to say, you know what? I am wrong. One thing I do appreciate my dad and my dad taught me this. My dad's done lots of stuff. But I know that most of the time, pretty much every time that I can remember, my dad has grabbed me by the arm and looked me straight in the eye. He said, Aaron, what the decision I made was wrong, and I'm sorry. He's done lots of things, and I forget. I love my dad. But that sticks out of my mind. And you know what? I want to be in my life man enough that when things happen in my family, to be able to look at my wife, my son, my daughter, and say, you know what? I was wrong. But what we'd rather do is say, well, if you hadn't have done this, and if this hadn't been the circumstance over here, I wouldn't have made that decision. Hey, we're trying to put a family back together. We're trying to fit a fam- fragment of family back together. Dad, if you have problems with your pride, only by pride comes contention, Proverbs says. I'm willing to say, hey, it's me. Mom, if it's you, be willing to say, hey, you know what? I'm wrong. I have a negative attitude or I have a bad attitude in this area. Teenager, if it's you, be willing to say, you know what? The things that I think are important, really, when I look at Scripture, I'm finding that they may not be as important as I'm making them, and I am wrong. That's how we're going to get a family back together again. We're going to put away our pride, like we talked about earlier with prayer. It brings the humility. And say, you know what? I did wrong. Mom and dad, would you forgive me? Son, daughter, would you forgive me? Because I'm wrong. We have to be, don't shift the blame for your bad decisions. Be, act upon God's truth and make right decisions by faith. Act upon God's truth and make the right decisions by faith. Here's where we have the worst problem, I would say, almost all the time as good, I would say, good Christians, good independent fundamental Baptists, whatever we want to call it. We are great about loving good preaching. Oh, man, that was great preaching. I love so-and-so who stood up in the pulpit. Man, they gave it to us. Praise the Lord. And we, we love it. But wait till it's time to act upon that. Because see, we listen to great preaching, but on Monday, is our lives changed because of it? I guess it should be our. Are our lives changed because of it? Hey, act upon God's truth and make the right decision. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Hey, I've got problems in my life. Instead of walking around saying, you know what? I'll take care of that at the new year and I'll make a new resolution. It's just saying, you know what? <laughs> You know what? I'm going to act on God's truth and make the right decision. And let her say, do the right thing now. Don't wait. If we're going to put a family, frag, fragmented family back together again, we're going to have to go ahead and start this week saying, you know what? I want to make sure, time, make sure I have time for my family. I want to make sure this week. I'm not going to wait till the new year. I'm not going to wait till this or this happens. I'm going to start making time to pray with my children. I'm going to start making time to show my children how they ought to live. I'm going to go ahead and take time right now to enlist Proverbs 22, 6 and say, I'm going to train up my child in the way he should go. So when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm going to go ahead and make that decision right now and act upon it. Not just for two weeks, not just for three weeks, not just until next month. But just make a dedication right now, Lord, to, with your help. I'm going to fall short as a dad over and over again. Man, I fall short as a dad so many times. 
if Shana could one day remember all the things that I've done wrong. But you know what? I really ultimately, I believe God is my witness. I want, I desire to be the best dad I can be. And I want to act on every time. Every time I hear something that I say, you know what, I'm not doing as a dad. I want to just go ahead and say, hey, you know what, I'm putting this in the toolbox right now. I'm going to go ahead and use it because I need to enlist this in trying to be what I can for my family. So, let us see, do the right thing now. Don't wait. Let's pray because I've gone over and we'll be done. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we love you. Lord, once again, we do thank you for, Lord, the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, the principles, Lord, that you enlist in us. Thank you for Brother Schmidt, Lord, in his book. Lord, I ask you'd help us to be able to put these things Lord, into our lives. God, number one, I ask that you'd help me as a father. God, I need your help so badly. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. Lord, as a husband. But Lord, I ask you'd help us all. Lord, whether teenager, mom, dad. Lord, that we would decide today, Lord, to make right decisions, Lord, and, and act on those things right now instead of waiting. Lord, we ask you to be with Pastor Scott this morning as he preaches. Be with our morning service. Lord, we'll give you the honor and glory for everything that's happened. In Jesus' name, amen.